Welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to Welcome Home. Today on Welcome Home, danger ahead. Want to be a cool boy mom? Want to learn how to make the world's best paper airplane? Make something explode? Pick a lock? Life skills, baby. We're all about the life skills today. We're talking about the book that every boy needs on his nightstand. Plus, how many syllables does Graham's name really have? Why Kirsten is not signing up for the Tour de France anytime soon? And why lasagna waiting in your freezer may just be the secret to happiness. All that and more on today's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Grahaha. It's it's Graham. It's Graham. And people from Why England say it properly. Hmm? Why seven two syllables? Graham. No, it's just not how it said. It's Graham. My parents call me Graham. Everyone who knows me calls me Graham. I feel like we've been through this. It's not Graham. Well, I call you Graham, and I know you pretty well. Most everyone calls me Graham. Call you Graham. You know the worst part. My husband calls me Graham. So I guess we're we're in. I guess people when call I, me. People call me Kristen. Yes, that is a mistake, though. <laughs> that is, that's a legitimate mistake. Um, but no, mine is near actually great. I'm staring at my husband right now, and he says Sloan with two syllables. He always says Sloan, Sloan. How many people Sloan? does he know named Sloan? And also tell him to get out. Lots We're in a recording people. session. There's lots of people named Sloan. It's a very popular name. It's a cool name. I actually always wanted a child named Sloan. Boots, how many syllables does Graham's name have? Ah, he said one. Um, <laughs> it took him a long time to think about it, though. So Tell maybe. him he's wrong, and Khan <laughs> is on my side. So today, we're talking to Khan Ickledon, and he's the author of the Double Dangerous Book for Boys, which is the initial danger book. had over a million copies that sold. This is a huge book. You've seen it around stores. Anyone who has been to a bookstore or just anywhere, it's kind of, you've seen, it has kind of an old font set on the cover, and it just looks like something you want to dive into. My favorite thing we never got to mention is he wrote it because it was the type of book that he wanted to hide up in his treehouse after the book had taught him how to build his own treehouse. Well, things have gotten even more dangerous for Khan, which he will explain in our interview. But, um, oh, this was just fun for Graham and I because we have boys and we have danger and we like this kind of stuff. I don't think it's about just boys, though. That's the thing. Like, I think that- No, that's the one bummer. I, well, I read it. I mean, honestly, you could repackage this if I was in marketing. I mean, you could, I want to do half the things in this book. Graham, why don't we write a book called The Dangerous Book for Moms? We should, and what would that entail, Kirsten? We'll talk offline. We did come up with a list of things that we wish that boys would know how to do before they came into our world. So that's part of the show as well. Like he, d- he does have a, a thank you note, how to write a thank you note in there, which is very welcome homish. I thought that was elegant. Brand. Yeah, how to write a thank you note, how to make a cup of coffee. It's good. He has a good little list of things that prime men, boys to be hey, men. I have a question for you because I'm okay. Well, let me let me set the scene for everyone here. I am at a hotel right now because I'm on vacation and I'm doing air quotes when I say vacation. My husband had a business trip and I'm tagging along. It's vacation. Um, it's a vacation. You know what? Yes, it is a vacation. I'm in a hotel room. I'm not going to complain. But I always wonder what the housekeepers think because I've, I've taped podcasts from hotel rooms a lot. And like to walk in here and find my dangerous book for boys lying on my bed with my pillow fort that I made for, for because that's, you have to have lots of soft things around you like pillows. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think I'm in here building forts? Like, <laughs> do you think like, you're in there like pretending you're Peter Pan? <laughs> 
exactly. Like I've got all the drapes closed because again, it's better for recording but like it's like don't like, don't mess with the oh fragile girl in room 407 <laughs> do not disturb sight all day and is building pillow fort in her room and it would be great. honestly how awesome would that be if one day a housekeeper opened up a door and you would like tied the sheets all over the room you know how you do when you help your kids make forts like you just made your room into like a big fort <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, don't you remember that? I feel like that was a big theme in like 80s television of kids who got to live in hotels. Oh man, it's so cool. It's still not old. In fact, um, my husband asked me because we were thinking about like going out to another one of his law offices maybe this summer potentially. And he was like, should we just stay in a VRBO or should we potentially just like be hotel people for a month? Which like, he gets a discount staying at hotels, you know, but like actually like camp out at a hotel, kind of like Eloise. And I didn't even have to think about it instantly. I was like, oh, we're staying at the hotel. Well, you know, okay, so this is maybe the most controversial thing I've ever said on the air. Mm -hmm. I don't like VBROs. I only like hotels. I know. You and I, we're on the same page right now. Why would you want to stay in a house? I mean, I get it. Maybe it's like if you have a, I understand there is a time and a place for like, I need a kitchen and I want to have like a dinner party and we need a place to play or whatever. But like hotels are just it's oh it's the best. oh you and i are you and i are coming at this from two different angles see my okay. thing is vrbo's have gotten too sterile i want to stay in like someone's real house no i oh, love yeah. i love staying at home it's like the creepier and the weirder and the quirkier the better you okay. and i have totally different opinions on this right because i'm a germaphobe it doesn't matter if i'm staying in a five-star hotel and still bringing lysol wipes and just giving everything a once over real quick no we were, on, we were on vacation like this weekend here's a here's an odd story and there was this huge bubble bath in there in the room and it was was actually really, I mean, it was just like an aloft. There was nothing crazy special about it, but there was a big bubble bath. And so the boys took this bubble bath, but by accident, I turned on the whirlpool and it made a million bubbles, like more bubbles than I've ever seen by the time I, and they didn't say anything because of course they were in heaven. And by the time I finally caught it, like the bubbles were all over the floor, they'd spilled out. But then like my oldest son like started choking in the bubbles and he's, this is the weirdest thing. This and sounds he, very dangerous. And he starts like hyperventilating and it's really weird. And he's like, help, help the bubbles, the bubbles. And so I like run over and he is, and then he just like throws up in my hair, right? <laughs> like everywhere. It was horrible. It's sort a of really weird vacation. And so, you know, I clean it up. I like take a shower. I do all the things. But then I felt so badly because the next day, you know, someone had to come help clean the bathtub because it was kind of still icky. But that still did not prevent me from taking a bath. Yeah, that's again why I never you never do hotel. it. That's why I don't use a hotel bathtub ever. Yeah, could you imagine all the things that have gone down in that? No, bathtub? yes, I can, which is why I'm not using it. There's no Lysol wipe that'll confront all my imaginations. Okay, but here's <laughs> another thing. People say you learn a lot by traveling. I assume they mean like because you're experiencing different cultures and stuff. But here's what I have learned by not leaving my hotel room, <laughs> just sitting here with my pillow fort. I have learned I drink more water than the average person. Like you do. Oh, you it took okay, you this long so this to learn not, that. Well, no, I mean I knew this because uh, whenever you're like, how much water do you drink? I'm always like, oh, you get ready because you're gonna be so impressed. But when you travel, is your first stop always like I need to go to a Walgreens and grab oh, a? Oh, and big... yours is, and it's weird. You okay, travel. My husband much... came in yesterday from his conference, and he looked at me, and I'm sitting there doing my work on my computer, and he's like you really went out and bought a hundred ounce bottle of water. It, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, isn't that a little overkill? I was like, no, it was gone by 5 p.m. I love water. You do. And I'm looking right now at these measly little four ounces they're giving me, I'm sorry, 10 ounces, like child's play. Oh, and you're gonna have to refill them all day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've already gone, I, I, went, I left the, I left the uh, gym with like 17 of them. 
there's so many kooky things about hotels. We had a weird weekend too in one. Like we were staying in this strange hotel and I had to make all these pallets on the floor and I couldn't get enough um, blankets and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. just... Well, it's hard with kids. We're, we're not with children. So this is one of those rare times where you're just like, wow, hotel's the best because you're not trying to figure out like, you know, does this fold out couch work or whatever. Um, okay, so I have a real quick question for you. This is actually because I am here kind of like on a date. Yeah. Um, we went out to dinner last night. And um, you do rental cars. That's another between you and I, right? You always do rental cars when you're traveling. Not always. If I'm in a big city, I'll do Uber. So what, you had an Uber situation? We do Uber all the time. So we had Ubers last night. But my question for you is, my husband said something interesting. Um, and I want to know your thoughts on it because it's very etiquette So okay. he said back in the day, uh, he's like big on like opening up the door, which is really cute, except for when I'm in a hurry. I'm like, we're in a hurry. That is but lovely. It is lovely. He's a nice guy. Um, but anyway, he opened, up the, he opened up the door for me and he said, you know, I want to tell you something. And he said, here he said, he said, will you mind scooting it? I said, okay. And he said, back in the day before, um, before like auto lock, he's like, it was kind of like a known thing that like a really, like a good classy guy would open the door for a lady, mm-hmm. but then a really good classy lady would like lean over and unlock the door. That came from some weird movie. That's a movie, Kirsten. They all it's love this. Yeah. They it, all it's love some, this? It's some like 90s movie. Yeah. Oh, it's, of course it's a 90s it's movie. Like, that, and it's a test they do. I don't even know what the movie is. Yeah. I remember this in high school. And I didn't know we were being tested. Yeah. Boots is referring to some movie that came out in the 90s that like, yeah, that you're supposed to lean over and unlock the door. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I remember I hearing about like this. That. I can picture this from a movie. Okay, so anyhow. I'm not even sure if this is real life from a long time ago. This is just some <laughs> '90s movie scene that, like, and it's she stuck with him. Yeah, and no, 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 it's stuck in like all guys' brains. It's very, very strange. I've come across this weird conundrum as well. Okay, yeah. well, here I'm going to give you an inside tip. Okay, okay. so yeah. he said, now that there's automatic locks, that's totally irrelevant. But he's like, when going into an Uber. He's like, I think the equivalent is, would you scoot over so you're behind the driver because I need more legroom than you? Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Is this a case-specific thing? Because my husband's like 6'2 and has really long legs. Like, he does. And I'm 5'4. Yeah, no. I mean, legs, it's so, like, really like, weird. But like, like, legroom boats. Yeah, you, all, you often give them more legroom, I think. I mean, I just think, like, isn't that just kind of a metaphor for all things in life? Like, they just kind of, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, sure. Like, okay, if we're driving with the kids, like clearly I'm the one who's going to take like the back middle seat, you know, when we're riding with, you know, your mother in the car, you know, some, my husband's mother or whatever it is. Like you just take the, you just take the crappier seat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Again, my mean, mother-in-law's like, very tall though and has long legs. She does. You are in a conundrum. I, well, um, I'm the shortest. So, so am I getting, am I getting the, the, sh- the crummy seat because I'm always the shortest with the short? Yeah, you just have to take the crummy seat. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, or how about this? It's like when you drive, like if you're ever going out and you're going out with another couple, um, oftentimes you let the two guys sit in the front of the car and the two girls will sit in the back. Like, where did that come from? Do you feel like you do that? I'm I'm feeling like, you know. Because you let, because the guys are bigger, so you let them sit up front. Right, which is, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I know it is. I'm sure there's some deeper issues here, but I'm just saying like, that's what seems to happen. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to like create a, create a wildfire here. <laughs> just, You're going to create a wildfire, Graham. This I is going to become, this is going to become a really, 
I'm just calling it out. Like if we're carpooling with another couple. Seat. Well, I mean, even like after, okay, so we're no, actually to- that's not true. My husband's very sweet and generous about taking like crummy seats. He's, he's a, he's a, trooper. yeah, they are. I mean, again, the addendum is these are, these are good kind guys we're working with. They're not saying like, get in the back seat, sit three paces behind, but don't you feel like even when dinner's <laughs> over, if you're having a dinner party that like, it's I'm the, carry my bags. right. It's the women who get up and like take the plates off the table. No, we're still in a messed up world. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, these things are really still happening. Perfect equality yet? (laughs) (laughs) On that note, news, Graham. Okay, yeah. Wow, we got all like it's. It's funny though, because well, Well, these are real things. I don't know if people talk about these little itty bitty tiny things. Talk about real things on our show, Graham. (laughs) Let's get to our world of fantasy and things we can do with our little boys. We have a perfect gentleman on, Con Igledon, and he's Mm. wonderful, and we love his book, and he's darling to talk to. And we flustered him at one point, and I felt badly about that. Well, I think he might have. I think his cool Britishness covered over for like maybe a couple times. You flustered him. Yeah, <laughs> a couple times. I mean, don't talk about people's moms in a sexual way, Graham. That's weird. That's a good life hack for you, Graham. <laughs> I think the other really um, interesting interview technique Kirsten and I have developed is we get cool people on to talk to, and then we spend a lot of time interrupting them, talking about side addendums and questions that we want to know, um, rather than letting them speak. So if you like it's that called format, art imitates life, Graham. <laughs> Graham, sorry. <laughs> oh, on that note, welcome, Khan. Everybody strap in. You're going to learn some dangerous things, some cool things you could do with your boys. Just need ideas. If you liked, let me just reference, if you liked um, our episode, it was go back to 151. It was called OMG. Do you seriously not know how to do that? And it's when Kirsten and I came up with a list of things we think kids should know. And this book kind of mirrors that in that it is things that boys should know how to do. Boys being yeah. boys. Yeah, and also um, what was funny about that is I think we've never got we've never had an episode. Well, no, that's not true. Who was the uh, oh gosh, what's her name now? The woman who was like the firestorm woman. Oh, and, oh my gosh, how are we blanking? Penelope, oh, Penelope trunk. Pen- oh, Penelope where, trunk. where did that go? Besides the Penelope trunk, obviously episode. I think that the one about OMG, do you really not know how to do that? Got the most emails. I mean, so many people wrote to us and they're like, "This is another thing my kid can't do." So apparently, none. We might have to do a follow up on that one at some point. That's a great um, episode. Yeah, because, you know, we're all we're all slacking on our life skills that we're giving our kids. But not after this book. You will have many more life skills to pass down to them. We have the great honor of being with the, an international man of mystery. We've been looking for one of you. Con Igoldson, who has written the double dangerous book for boys. Con, welcome to Welcome Home. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We love this when we so have fun. men on. Yes, not well. He's he's like a double hit, Graham, because this is a man and he's international. I know. And yeah, Dave- I'm not really much of a mystery, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm I'm really terribly easy to explain. I'm an I'm an international man of the obvious. <laughs> Well, you've written a darling book, and actually you've written it a while ago. It sold over a million copies, The Dangerous Book for Boys, and now you're out with the re-release of The Double Dangerous Book for Boys. And what really resonated with Kirsten and I is we did a show a while ago, and I hope you can touch on this, and it really got a great response. It was our episode 151, and it was us talking about our children. And we didn't, you know, especially Kirsten's the mother of two boys and a little girl, and I've got two boys. And we sat back and we said, oh my gosh, do you seriously not know how to do that? <laughs> and 
And then we locked them in a closet with your book and said, come out in three months and make me a paper airplane because clearly this book teaches you all that stuff. But we see so many parallels with this book and sort of that episode. How do you choose what makes it? What makes it into the book? I mean, the first one, I mean, which is back in 2006 that I, I did with my brother. I mean, bear in mind, we didn't think anyone would be interested. This was just a collection of all the things we used to do when we were kids, like growing crystals or making a bow and arrow and a go-kart and a, a tree house. And so it, it, we weren't trying to sort of please anybody or, 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 you know, all we were doing was just celebrating the things we'd liked. And some of the things, like three chapters on grammar, believe it or not, that um, I thought were important as an adult. And then with the second book, after 12 years, the, the big engine for it was the fact that I had two sons, like, like both of you, and uh, they kept bringing ideas home. So my eldest son would, would come home and say, I've started to try learning how to pick locks, and it's going pretty badly. You know, how do you think, and how do you think it might go? And then we'd start looking into that. And then, you know, the moment when a padlock finally popped open in my hand and it actually worked was one of the most satisfying in my life. I, I said, God, you know, I've got, if, if I ever do a sequel, Cameron, this, this has to go in. And my youngest son, um, so he came home and said, Dad, I've learned how to, uh, to make a paper frog. The jumps, and then he showed me. So it wasn't me telling him that, you know, that you have to put this in some worthy thing. It, it was coming from him. And he came home and said, um, oh, I've learned how to signal HI, hi, in sign language, so that when the teacher turns his back, I can say hi to my friends in class. And little things like, I thought, God, that's a good idea, Arthur. You know, we've got to put that in as well. If I ever come to do a sequel, son, if it ever happens, um, I'll better do sign language. And honestly, an awful lot of it were, came from that. It came from, either came from them or it was things that I wished I'd put in the first book and just, I just didn't, I didn't get it right in time or it wasn't the right time. And it was years later that I, you know, I came across it. And that was the sort of the combination of strands really that led to the double dangerous. So two questions that I was thinking as you were describing this, let's describe your parents, Con. Would you say they were rather hands off or rather hands on to give you all this time to learn all this stuff? Well, they were hands off in the sense of being fairly ancient or from a different, a different period. I mean, my dad was born in 1923. So he was born before the invention of television, for example. Mm. And my mother, I mean, that makes a big difference because television is the, I was thinking about this earlier today. When I was a kid, there were three channels in Britain. We'd heard America had loads of channels, but we didn't really believe it. It's, it's we do, it's true. About, we have... <laughs> about flavors of ice cream. We, we still think in Britain, there's only really three flavors. There's chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. Anything else can only be a combination of those three. It's just madness. But with the television thing, it meant that it stopped around midnight. It meant that there, you, know, you really didn't have a great deal of choice. And because of that, we were often bored. So you'd have a Sunday afternoon film like Ben-Hur, going on for three and a half hours and we'd wander off or go out for the day, come back and it would mysteriously still be on. I mean, it was extraordinary. And that <laughs> meant that we had to entertain ourselves. We would come up with ideas. Nowadays, of course, it is true that with a combination of, you know, sort of Netflix and the internet and oh, uh, iPads and apps, that it's not that entertainment is now so extraordinarily good that you have to make much more of a mental effort to step away from it because you could fill every hour of every day with something fairly decent like Life in Pieces or Modern Family or whatever it is. Or for a wonderful podcast. Yeah, right, you can listen to the, en- the entire catalog of the Welcome Home podcast. That's one way <laughs> you, you, can you, you put me in a difficult situation. I guess <laughs> I, have to re- I have to recommend that. You're but at the same space. time, I'm, I'm railing against it. It's very, no, it's very an awkward. Op- opiate for the masses, right? Well, you know, no, well, 
I mean, when it, to some extent, when you look at Teen Titans or something like that, my kids will sit in front of a dozen episodes of that or SpongeBob SquarePants, and it really does look when they, you know, they go all slack-jawed and slightly dribbling. You think, yes, that that is an opiate for the masses, and it's not good for them because every hour they spend, you know, watching three more episodes of Teen Titans. Yes, I really do know how long they are. It's, um, you know, it's an hour they might have had an experience that would matter for the rest of their lives. Something that would, oh, I don't know, it may be cut, half cutting their thumb off. You never know your luck. Um, or it might be sort of learning something, uh, making something, doing something, and it won't be just a wasted hour. And that sort of that matters to me a great deal. That's how these books came about, really, because I was just trying oh, to come up with uh, decent ideas that were fun to do that didn't involve sort of screens. And but my parents were they were hands off because in some ways, you know, they they had come from a, literally from a different era. My mother was um, grew up in 1930s Ireland where they rode a pony and trap to church um, with a little car. So if a car came past and cars did exist, one of her aunties had to be covered with a blanket because she became so upset um, at the noise <laughs> and the stink of the car. So this was a different era. My, my mother went into a convent um, at the age of 14. She became a nun and took a vow of poverty and uh, became the proper black and white uh, good shepherd uh, for, it was a closed order for 20 years she was in there until the age of 34 and I'm sure you know that 14 to 34 are probably the most important 20 you know, years of your life and she spent them mostly in silence and prayer um, and then at 34 she was very keen to come out and have children so my father really hardly knew what hit him and um, <laughs> as a result you have a lot I was, to I teach her <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, uh, 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 he, he did describe her as the oldest virgin in England. And <laughs> actually, I, I, yeah, exactly. That's my father's sense of humor right there. Um, but either way, either way, they had a very happy marriage. And I'm obviously delighted she did leave the convent because otherwise it wouldn't exist. So when you say, you know, were your parents hands on, they were so different to sort of modern, the modern era that it, it almost isn't comparable it, it, there's no comparison hmm. yeah well I mean that's it you look at your book and it looks like it's you know you have such a nostalgic feel to these books like the pictures the top the typeface even like the um you know the the binding of it just kind of is reminiscent yes. of another time you know um deliberately yeah well and okay so one of the one of the chapters that dropped that jumps out at me because you know you hit so many nerves when you were talking about the screen time thing my youngest she's a girl she's very dangerous she's my most dangerous child and she um and like in the in the good way in your way um but she just turned seven and she asked for an ipad for her birthday and oh yes right and it wasn't even let's do like the the more traditionally you know stereotypical female equivalent of that like she didn't ask for a dollhouse she didn't ask for you know a bicycle yeah. she, didn't, she didn't want it she wanted a screen time and i get it because there's an app for that there's an app for everything and on one hand amazing what a cool age so much that we can do just it, you know it's really you know, obviously we know how fun technology is and how many cool things have come about because of it. But yes. there, the idea of pulling away that screen, and the one that jumped out at me was the card games because we have like made our kids play card games, which initially was such a fight. And I think this whole book is like things you don't want to do and then you're so glad you did them. You know what I mean? It's like the grant, like it's yeah, so much I, easier to yeah. build an app treehouse than to go out and like scrounge up some wood but then i've got six boys in my backyard who have built a fort and it, this thing they defend this thing like the alamo i mean it is defended 24 yes. hours a day by a group of neighborhood boys 
And it was fantastic so to get them off their phones to do this. But <laughs> once they did, they're so much happier. Yes. Oh, I notice that all the time. And I, I do. It's one of the things I do go on about that actually making things in real life, particularly making things and possibly with your, you know, particularly with your hands is a, it's a very calming experience, particularly for boys. And I, I know there's an overlap always with girls, but I, I, in terms of in these days when we're constantly worried about the anxiety in our children, the mm. thing that makes you anxious will be something to do with social media or a screen or too much television or whatever else. The thing that won't make you anxious if, is if you, oh, I don't know, get out and learn, a, you know, to see how long you can keep a football up or build the fort or build a, you know, shoot a bow and arrow or something sort of that involves craft and care and patience and repetition, even strength exercises. I mean, I had a chapter on strength exercises, partly because, you know, it's good to be fit and it's good to be strong, but also repeating a, a ritual that you do every day is a good thing for well, for anyone, actually, but for boys in particular, I think, because it helps to calm them down at the beginning and end of the day. And I think that sort of thing is important. I don't I think that I'm not a big fan of screens with very young kids. It's, I don't think it's good for them. I, I mean, the, uh -huh. the truth is the lessons you learn in life will be from, I don't know, running a race and giving up too early. And then you remember that for the rest of your life. And you remember that you gave up too early and the other kid came past you and you were and how annoyed you are. And that lasts for the rest of your life. Whenever you want to give up, you think back to that moment. You do not get that playing Call of Duty. You just don't. Oh, although, Con, I did have my first Peloton workout this morning. And because um, <laughs> I'm at a hotel okay. right now. And yeah. you're totally right. So, again, I, I, my first one, and I'm not a spinner. I don't usually spin. And there were 2,900 and something people in the room. And I started wow. at 20. I was like, I'm awesome. I am like an Iron Man. Who knew? And I'm having these visions of myself yeah. to Court of Prawns. And then I was like 50. And then I'm like 100. And then I, when I jumped down to 1,000th place, I just clicked off the screen so I didn't have to see where I was ranking. And then, and then <laughs> okay. when it gave me my summary, I came in 2,300 out of 2,900. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I will say that's going to be a memory that's going to haunt me for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And it's true. No, look, I mean, I use, I use the internet, obviously, all the time. I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I work with a word processor. I, I, I watch Netflix. I have all sorts of things lined up. But it's, I didn't have it when I was a kid. And I, it's, it's for children, really, that I would worry about. No, I, but you're on to something. You know, yeah, I'm totally right. on to something. Is, this is like how adults are all like needing yoga and needing meditation. It's the antidote. And like, I don't think my kids yes. are going to go to yoga, but maybe they could build an, a, a paper airplane. Maybe they could learn to play cards and it'll probably have that same calming effect you're talking about. And I think that's totally right. I think so. And honestly, I know I've had a, I mean, I remember with the first book, I, it's one of the things that I wasn't expecting. I, I had um, dads come to me afterwards and say, you know, I got divorced so and so years ago. This book gave me some things to do with my sons. And that was a, you know, if you only have a weekend, it was a nice thing, but it hadn't really occurred to me because of the way we wrote the first book, that it was a, that part of it was uh, that relationship between fathers and sons. And um, to some extent, you know, uh, promoted by the mothers who buy the book for them. But that's been the nice thing of this book, that I did everything in it with my, with my son. So the casting resin chapter, when we discovered that you could cast things in resin, nothing could drop dead within a, about a mile of my house without immediately being... <laughs> plucked off the ground and put into resin because we would, you know, and then insects and well, we tried a dead bird and it was a disaster. But the point is we were doing it together. It was a good experience for all of us uh, as a family and as a father and a son. And that goes for the playing cards thing as well, because, you know, that's one reason to play cards, to make sure that your kid can play 
poker, for example, or uh, uh, we played a lot of nomination whist and cheat. But it was also, it was a fun thing to do. Cheat is a raucous game that ends up with everyone shouting at everyone else. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an important thing, I think, for kids to know that they're, you know, that they can shout and fall about and argue over who put down three aces and that they're still loved, you know. But I also like how you go back and forth in the book. Like you have a chapter on how to make a stink bomb, which makes you a cool dad, right? Like one would say, bad idea, not a great plan. But at the same point in time, I've read so much about when we are the parents who kind of continually kind of push the limits and take kids to a level that they know maybe they shouldn't be at, but they're doing it there with their parents in a safe environment, that it actually Mm. helps them navigate the unsafe environments when they're with their peers. I I hope that's true. I mean, there there were one or two things that we didn't put in that sort of, I mean, it, it resulted in us looking at each other at one point over quite a lot of flame and saying, you know, I don't think, I don't think we should do this one. Um, we did, I won't tell you the chemicals, uh, you know, online, but we, we found a couple of household <laughs> chemicals that if you mix together, the problem was not that it blew up. The problem was that it blew up after about a 40-second delay, which was exactly long enough for us to both be leaning over the thing, looking at it and saying, well, that's rubbish, at the moment when it blew up. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, I'm not putting this one in. But it was, it was a fun thing to do with my son, Arthur, who could not believe the, the, the fire of fire that erupted in the garden and burned a piece of grass that we've never managed to grow back. But it was, yes, it was a good experience doing something with him. And at the end of that, I suppose it's a combination of sort of safety and peril and, and with a little bit of care, because at the end of the day, risk is important. But it, it always has to be mitigated with, you know, a little bit of common sense and a little bit of care. I mean, uh, not to an obsessive degree, because you still need risk to learn what the boundaries are. But I think it's a nice thing to do with your parents sometimes. Absolutely. And sometimes, of course, when the parents are nowhere near, that's the other thing. Yeah. How to start a fire with a battery. You've got in, that in there. And interesting <laughs> chemical reactions. You know, my father still has no eyebrows to this day because he <laughs> explosion. He looks very strange, but my, <laughs> no eyebrows. He lost them. That, but, um, a look of constant surprise, but who can tell? <laughs> yes, it's, uh, that, that's funny. I actually know, I know somebody who tried to check the level of petrol, of, of gas, uh, in his motorcycle tank with a match. And uh, he blew most of his eyebrows and about the first inch off his uh, forehead, you know, of the hair. Uh, he blew all that off. And they, they, they did, those grew back eventually, though. So, you know, it's a happy ending to the story. <laughs> Hey guys, we're going to take a quick little break now to tell you about some wonderful sponsors we have today. Stitch Fix Kids is a sponsor. When it comes to size, kids' clothes are hard to get right. Stitch Fix Kids can help you find the perfect fit every time. And kids are individuals, so why would you put them all in the same clothes? You can help your child look their best, express their style, and stand a little taller with Stitch Fix Kids. Yeah, Stitch Fix Kit. <laughs> it's a great name, actually. Say it three times fast. That's the fun I've been thing. trying. I've been it's trying. super fun, but this is good. Stitch Fix Kids. It's an so if you're not familiar, it's an online personal styling service for your kids that delivers basically children's clothes, shoes, and accessories directly to your door, which is a super fun concept. They have every style you want, from sporty to preppy to boho, to help boys and girls everywhere find their style. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with it, they also, they have adult sizes, they have men's stitch fix, women's stitch fix, so it's a really cool service. There's no subscription required, and you can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. You take a style quiz, it's awesome, and let me tell you, I've got kids who are really starting to want to express their own personal style, and uh, this is pretty cool. So you can get started today at stitchfix.com slash 
kids slash welcome home. We're going to do that one more time. Stitchfix.com slash kids slash welcome home. You'll get to try Stitch Fix and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep everything, uh, everything in your box. But here's the deal. As a bonus, Stitch Fix will waive the $20 styling fee if you use this show's special URL. So again, stitchfix.com slash kids slash welcome home. Thanks, Stitch Fix kids. That was a mouthful, but I liked it. All right. The next thing I think, well, it's cool. Our next door neighbor uses it too. Her daughter loves it. She was telling me. Um, and I think our box came and it was absolutely adorable. I mean, it's cute. It's fun stuff. Yeah. And it's fun. It's like a little present in the mail. Yeah. Like like a little present. Little present. Who doesn't like presents? All right. Our next sponsor is Native. And if you're not familiar with Native, they've been our sponsor for a while. They create safe, simple, effective products that people use in their bathroom every day. Um, they primarily focus on deodorant and their products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. They're filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca, um, just to absorb wetness. They never test on animals, free shipping and returns. It's just a really cool, um, it's a cool, clean, clear deodorant. <laughs> and it's significantly easier to say. It's just native and all the ingredients also simple and easy to say. Really, we're here for the pronunciation, guys. We only want to work with deodorant. We can pronounce every ingredient. That, that's really the point of it. Um, no, actually, for real, the lavender and rose um, smell is amazing. They're actually, they're all really good, but the lavender and rose, I felt, um, I don't know, deodorant usually feels a little bit like glorified soap smells to me. This felt more like perfumey. Like this was a lovely fonce of fonce scent. Um, so if you want to give it a try, like everyone else who's obsessed with this, this is the, this is one of those products that continues to come up and people are like, oh, I already use it. I already love it. So give it a try. Um, you're wanting, you're going to want to go to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code welcome home during checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, it's nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code welcome home, all one word, and you will get 20% off your purchase. So thank you, Native Deodorant. Um, enjoy smelling like a rose. These are good stocking stuffers too, especially at 20% off. Start thinking about the holiday time. Um, thank you, Native. We have a follow-up book we want you to write. Kirsten and I came up with a list of things we women wish that men would know um, that we want you to add to a book. I think a dangerous book for grown boys. <laughs> right. Okay, go on, then hit me. <laughs> well, what we I, what are some I think well, I mean, some silly things like I think it would be great to know how to fold socks in a t-shirt. Um I love that you put making coffee in the book. Make a cup of coffee. Oh, this is ridiculous, but I make coffee every single morning, and my husband has decided he enjoys it and just learned how to make a cup when I'm not I there. Just, I, I, am, I am just fascinated by coffee, and I would also like to point out that there's a fantastic recipe for a lasagna in there because, as I said to the kids, if you know how to make a lasagna, there is a much greater chance that you will actually eat a lasagna at some point in your life. So this is therefore worth doing. And the recipe is to make one you can eat that evening and then to freeze one. And it freezes really well. So it's the absolute joy of the fact that knowing your entire life that in the freezer at home is a lasagna. I mean, this, this is just, this is happy. This, you know, these are happy things. I, I think. <laughs> but I didn't As know you, you said that socks, I filled though. with happiness. <laughs> um, play at least one quality song on an instrument of your choosing. Can you do that? I always thought it would be ah. really cool if I could do that. No, that, I mean, my brother, David, can play um, the streets of London, the streets yeah. of London town, uh, sorry, uh, on a guitar. He's pretty good. I can't. Oh, I can do. Um, oh, I can do Hotel California on the piano. Come to the. It's only another four chords. But I mean, 
yes, I can do a little bit of that. But, but that's uh, perfect. And that's a sexy quality too. That brings the women. Um, not the way I play it, isn't it? I'll be honest. <laughs> My, my boys no, just learned to away. play Stranger Things theme song on the piano, which sort of is oh, yes. like they're watching a Netflix show on their devices, but then they're playing the theme song on the piano. So yeah. I feel like at least I'm a little redeemed. Um, yeah, no, yeah, in all seriousness, yeah, that's absolutely right. I actually could have done that. I mean, that, that would, you see, if, if this had come, if the kids had come home and said, Dad, we, you know, we've learned this tune on the piano, then it would have occurred to me to put it in. You see, this is why I'm going to end up doing the Triple Dangerous book at some point in the future, because there's always someone to come along and say, what about playing a musical instrument? You think, oh, that's such a good idea, especially if you can make one. Gosh, I've just thought of that. Oh, come yeah, on. I'm just, like I'm just getting warmed up, buddy. If you want to team up, I can, I can give you a list of about 400. <laughs> I mean, very dangerous. May I ask how old your, your sons are? The oldest now is 19. He's just turned 19. And the youngest is 12. Again, he's okay. just turned 12. Okay. So, uh when we were doing them, they were about sort of 17, 18 and, uh, and 10, 11, which was just about the perfect age. When totally. the first book came out, I mean, I, I wrote the first book partly because I had that first son, Cameron, and I, I was looking around for similar books for him and didn't really find the ones that I wanted. So I set out to write one. And to some extent, you know, the, the second boy created the second book. Um, I have spoken to my wife. Apparently a third boy is extremely unlikely. <laughs> Um, okay, so can I ask Not you if question? you get better at Hotel California. <laughs> you're, you're still convinced of that sexy. I do, I do like the idea. I just, I've never had that reaction to me playing the piano. It's usually sort of more tolerant, but best. Tolerance. <laughs> well, sorry, we're taking, we're taking a rabbit hole. My husband plays the guitar in church, and that's the one time when he's, and I'm sitting there and watching him play, I'm like, this is amazing. At church, Graham, this, okay. So I apologize for my co-host, who, who also started this by asking for a British pronunciation of her name, because Graham insists on using the British pronunciation every time she refers to herself, which is a double-syllable Graham, as opposed Graham. to Graham, how do you say it in England? I, I would say Graham. Exactly. And you're saying it correctly. Thank you. Thank you. Graham. Okay, Graham. I want to know um, how some of these historical facts got in here. Like, why do you feel like including the presidents of the United States and the U.S. military um, ranks and insignia got in here? Um, what made you uh, What made you include those? You know HarperCollins made him do that. His publisher made him do that. <laughs> well, the, the original, I, I mean, I, you know, the original chapter for the British version was um, a, a list of uh, British prime ministers. And then they said, you know, can you do one for the, the American presidents? And I said, absolutely. Yes, I can. Okay, um, so, so why, I did, you did you, know, why did you include that, regardless of whether it was the... My question wasn't specifically... Yeah, that's a good question. Version, it's it's partly like, because... Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, it, I mean, the truthful answer is that it just seemed to it seemed to it seemed to slot in nicely. I think it's because I like to know things. I think it's because I like. I, you know, I think Americans do this rather better than the British actually, because you do tend to to know lists of uh, I don't know. It could be baseball pitchers, or it could be presidents back from. You know, you you tend to memorize lists. In, of information and knowledge, and I, I, I like it. It's something that appeals to me. I, I think, honestly, this is a sort of male characteristic that men mm -hmm. like to control the world, and uh, it's uncontrollable, <laughs> no but they like kidding. to try and control the wait, world wait, by, by learning things. You're in a safe space here. Speak freely, Kant. <laughs> yeah, it's just the internet. Go ahead. Men like to control everything. 
Well, I don't mean that men like to control everything. I, oh, I see how that came across. Yeah. No, we're teasing. No, you're, I, you're good. We think it's cute. Totally it's adorable. We, we're, we're, we like guys. We've got, we're raising them. We marry them. They're fun. But it is an interesting time. I, it is a tricky time to be a man. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. And it's a, it's a tricky time to um, write a book that has a lot of the things you talk about in it. You know, and it's really, um, you know, it's kind of like, I think it's cool because I think, Sorry, I'm, I'm like getting all deep here, but I do feel like, you know, it's an element of like, you know, we live in an age where women are getting um, really heard in a lot of ways they haven't been heard and really acknowledged in a lot of ways they haven't been acknowledged. And I find that to be like a really perfect long overdue development. But it's also, yeah. that doesn't mean we want to stop celebrating all the great things about boys. And then, like, especially these little boys who, you know, they're just, they're little boys and they are so boyish. And yeah. So and they're completely and, you know. and, and they're blank slates. I mean, they, you know, they don't know what they don't know. So, when, when, if you said male character, if you asked me to list male characteristics, uh, right at the top of my list would be patience, because uh, to me, my father was incredibly patient when I was practically in tears. Well, sometimes you know, realist, really in tears, trying to understand a maths homework, and I, I couldn't do it. And he would take me through it step by step by step, over and over and over, until I eventually got it. And, you know, so to me, that's a version of masculinity passed on from father to son that is important. And it, you, it's nothing to do with sort of violence or, or anger or domination or trying to control the world, which is actually, I, I meant by that, that trying, to, um, <laughs> trying to gain an, a, a little part of the world, that sort of, that part that is expert, that means that you understand it and therefore you control it just a little. I didn't mean about world domination. <laughs> oh, no, 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 <laughs> I, know, no, 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 no. I know what you were onto. And I'm sorry, because yeah. you, were, you were making an interesting point, because I actually, I was thinking about my boys and thinking how they watch, I knew, I knew what you were getting at, how they watch sports and how they can memorize these players and the plays and the games and yes. the sport. And, it, and, that, and I wanted to hear you say more about that. And I'm sorry we interrupted you because you were- No, that's fine. I mean, that, that's, the list. that's exactly that sort of thing. That's why the, you know, that lists of prime ministers or lists of regiments and, excuse me, and the presidents get, you know, got into the book because it's part of that sort of thing that appeals to me. And it's, it's difficult to define or to say why it's a part of the sort of male psyche, but it is. It's something we, we like to do. Hmm. And I also think they get that too from- like what you were saying with the chemistry stuff or learning to build something, you know, it's kind of like, I, I did it. You know, it's a, it's a great confidence booster too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is, this goes back to, you know, what I was saying about uh, anxiety. I mean, it, it's, or, or that feeling of confidence that comes from competence, knowing you can saw a straight line, knowing you can use a chisel, knowing you can build something with your hands and then it can sit on the, or hang from a string off the ceiling or whatever it is. Yeah. That is, is something tangible, something, um, that you know that you know you can do and i think that's important yeah you know what we might have just solved something huge here on this show i think what i'm noticing and especially the opposite is with social media is that social media is just this deluge that's incessant and what you're saying with the list of presidents the lists of whatever it has a start and it has a finish. If you can do a straight yes. line, oh, you know how to do it, right? You can, that's important. You can yes. claim claim it and own it. You can rewire yeah, I, I think that's brilliant. Honestly, I think that's brilliant because the fact that it's, it's this nebulous sort of thing that never comes to an end, there's always an update. There's always a thousand, you know, more texts and posts and likes and tweets and retweets so that there's no beginning and end. In fact, I remember when I first started playing computer games, you would play until there was an end, a final boss, and, and you would, you know, that was it. And then they invented this idea of a, 
Oh, a sort of universal, um, oh, be quiet, it looks savage. Sorry, I'm talking to the uh, terrier. Obviously, I'm talking to the terrier. Shush. Um, <laughs> of course you have a terrier. It's okay. That's how I talk to Graham all the time. It's fine. Uh, but, you little savage, when they Graham. A sort of, a, a, an unlimited uh, computer game world, it, it, was, it immediately was the end for me because I knew that if I got into that, I would never be able to stop, if you see what I mean. So it's it's a sort because of, I needed to have a computer game that I could play obsessively till the point of it stopping and ending and finish final boss. If if there was a uh, a limitless you know landscape, I would never come out of it. So I think there's there's a lot of truth in that. I think that well, I suppose it's about boundaries, and I suppose it's all human beings need boundaries. But there's a good uh, good argument to be made that social media doesn't have any, and that's why one of the reasons it's not such a great thing. You know, it's interesting when you talked about that because you have stories in here, like the, this, all the stories you have in here, are some of the mythology, um, just different, you know, kind of well-known tales. And, you know, it's funny that they call Instagram stories stories because they're not stories. Like you just said, they're ongoing. Yeah. It never stops. Yeah, I mean, the, the stories, first of all, uh, were, were you always chosen because they were stories of courage. I mean, in the first book, I did Scott of the Antarctic, for example, and that was all about, how, you know, his his final moments and where he wrote letters to all of the the teams, uh, the families of the team that he was with and apologizing really for bringing them to their death because he knew they he wouldn't get home. He had gangrene in his foot and he was 11 miles from the next food dump and he knew that was it. So it, it was a story of sort of great calm um, in the final moments. And, I, I, you know, I loved telling it. And then when I was going to a few uh, schools to talk about um, things like this and about being an author, you know, one of them, I went to Dunwich College in London and they said, would you like to see Shackleton's boat? And I said, what, Ernest Shackleton, the Antarctic explorer, 800 miles across Antarctica in a little boat? And he said, yes, that boat. And it's tiny. It's a tiny, frail little thing. It's not much bigger than a rowing boat. But he and a few others sailed across the Antarctic in it, an incredible feat of navigation and endurance in incredibly low temperatures to bring help to their stranded team when their ship was crushed by two ice flows. And you know, that, I thought that's got to go in. That is a fantastic story. And I can actually use my own photograph that I, I took of the boat in the school. And uh, it, they came about really because I like stories of courage. They inspire me. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, in the, in the first book, I did one on Douglas Bader, who in World War II uh, had both legs. He lost both legs in a terrible plane crash and yet went on to be a successful fighter pilot. He was captured by the Germans. Um, he then tried to escape. Um, despite uh, being on sort of terrible, uh, bad examples of his of his legs. And he was a very irascible, difficult, aggressive, unpleasant man in many ways, and absolutely inspiring at moments of crisis. And, you know, he was a wonderful character. So I put his story. In. I mean, I think I think these stories are important. To some extent, it's how we pass on our values. It's, this is, we say, this is a hero. This is someone we admire. Um, and that's absolutely vital it has been for the last two and a half thousand years give or take back to ancient greece absolutely yeah. and i just thought of a new chapter too called kids talk to your grandparents i think if you got a couple you know i think that's a good one get one or two of the our grandparents amazing wonderful life stories because we're we're approaching veterans day here and i'm thinking yeah. that a lot of these stories are of these of these tales of great heroism which i think exist in almost many families, I mean, especially that had World War II veterans and other veterans yes. in them, um, you know, we need to continue to pass these on. Yes, I'm a huge fan of people recording their personal family stories because it matters to someone. It matters to those who come after. 
Um, and once, you know, once you're gone, there's, there's no way to ask you. I mean, I found that already after the death of my parents that I'm often sort of thinking, you know, hang on, who's this, who's Auntie Beryl? You know, and I can't bring them up and ask them anymore. So uh, yeah. <laughs> what relation is this person to me? And, uh, you know, once they're gone, all that knowledge is, uh, it's cut off. I do feel a little bit like each generation drags an anchor behind it for a couple of generations. But then once that chain snaps, and you do feel like it snaps when your parents are gone, uh, you know, suddenly you're the parent and you're, you know, the, the, there's no one for you to call and say, I've had a terrible bad day. It's, uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a new part of your life and something important has been lost. Wow. Well, I think all these, you know, stories from the past are probably hopefully going to be putting that spark in our kids to, to have those conversations. I hope so. oh, I well, hope we so, love yeah. the book. We love it. Um, Thank you. It's been fun. As boy moms, we appreciate uh, just sort of this throwback to some really fun ideas that, that aren't being kind of in the world of constant screens and everything moving faster sort of being lost. So it's really fun to have this resource for our, our little boys. So thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you for your time today. Did we, did we miss anything? Do we need to know anything no. else? Or you're going to need to email us directly later with all those chemicals that for the 40 minutes. I can do that. Okay. We, won't, we, won't, we won't put it on Instagram. Yes, we will, everybody. Okay, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have a wonderful, actually, we should say have a wonderful evening. We're sorry. We've taken up your early evening. Oh, I don't worry. It's a pleasure. You know, my, uh, my daughter is just about, she's flying over to Washington tomorrow. So she's going to uh, see the Pentagon and the White House and um, the uh, oh, the Marine Memorial and all sorts of the Lincoln Memorial, all sorts of interesting things. So I hope you'll uh, you'll, you'll look after her. <laughs> we will do it. Kier I will send Kirsten with a waving flag to welcome her. We will we will keep her safe. <laughs> Con, thank you so, much, you so for much for your time. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Welcome Home. We think you guys are the best. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic or any of the sponsor deals we mentioned, visit our website at thewelcomehomepodcast.com. Our sweet listeners tell us all the time that it feels like we're real life friends and not to be too mushy, but we feel the same about you. So why not go ahead and connect with us on Instagram? We're at the Welcome Home Podcast. Or if it's something super secret, feel free to send us an email at hello at thewelcomehomepodcast.com, especially if it's a secret about Kirsten. I'm the one who checks the email. It will stay between us. And as always, if you'd enjoyed today's episode of Welcome Home, please make sure you're subscribed. And also, if you have a few minutes, we'd just love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with your friends. Tell your friends. That's the hospitable thing to do. Thanks for listening to Welcome Home.